the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to us. It's nine minutes after 10 o'clock on this 22nd morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. And uh, we are guest-free this hour as well. I told you we were going to be guest-free the entire show unless I heard from Jim Renacci. Well, I heard from Jim Renacci, so we weren't guest-free in the last half hour, but we are now. And uh, that means open phone lines for you. We like to call it Free for All Friday. Anything you want to talk about is fair game, no matter what topic it's on, whether it's impeachment-related, whether it's jobs-related, whether it's Thanksgiving-related, whether it's sports-related. I don't care. It's a free-for-all. That's what we do. On Friday. So dial now, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, and we will put you up on the radio. Uh, let's go to Jeannie, who's waiting patiently in Cleveland to talk about the War for America Soul Tour that was held last night in Independence. Jeannie, good morning. Jeannie, are you there? Talking to you, Jeannie. I know you've been there for a long time. You probably walked away from the phone. You've got it on speaker, and right now you're hearing your name, and you're going, oh, my God, i got to race back to the phone. Jeannie, I'm going to give you one more shot. Three, two, one. And Jeannie, you're going to have to try to call back or come back to the phone. Let's go to Steve. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Steve. It's BJ next. Sorry, I've got to take these in order. BJ, you're on AM 1420 The Answer. Go ahead. Thank you, Bob. Briefly, more jobs for the African Americans, Asians, uh, Hispanics, women, uh, the right to life for unborn prosperity in America, these are the reasons Donald Trump was being impeached. It was a farce that they were saying they were trying to get him for what went on in Ukraine. What Donald Trump has done is what they want to impeach. It is no more complicated than that, which tells us that these people are very, very dangerous. The biggest danger we have in our country is the opposition party, which is the saddest part of all. 
and I hope there will be more of an awakening coming, that the people will realize that we are better off because this man, who is a businessman, not a politician, made America financially great, as well as mentioning God more than any other president in my lifetime and caring about human life. And I thank you for your time, Bob. And I thank you for the phone call. I appreciate that very much, BJ, and I think you're spot on uh, on this. Look, the president has been extraordinarily successful. That's the one thing that's so ironic, and Jim Renacci talked about when he talked to somebody, he said, uh, who was saying, I hate the guy, how can you support him, talking about Trump, and he said, really, uh, how's your 401k look? How's your uh, wages look right now? How much more money are you bringing home in your paycheck? Well, yeah, I like all those things. Those are things that matter. Those are the things that matter to most Americans, and those are things that the president is directly responsible for creating. When he instituted those tax cuts and got Congress to get those things passed that he signed. So that businesses, remember, what is the primary driver of job growth in the United States? Is it the massive corporations? Is it the GMs? Is it the Apples? Is it the uh, uh, Fords? Is it the Googles? Is it massive corporate Amazons? No. The driver of job growth in this country is small businesses. That's who most people work for, to the tune of some 90% of Americans work for small business owners. And small businesses were given huge breaks in their tax bills because a lot of the the, uh, business owners file their taxes as their business. Um, And when when they got their tax breaks, their businesses got tax breaks, and they were free then to have more cash to do what? To expand their operations, to grow just a little bit, hire a few more people. And when you have hundreds of thousands of businesses hiring more people, and these jobs are not just these ridiculous part-time jobs that Barack Obama was able to, quote-unquote, bring back after the recession. These are not part-time jobs. These are not 30-hour-a-week jobs. and These are not low-wage service sector jobs. But manufacturing jobs came back, among other things. Why? Because small businesses were growing and needed more product. They needed more manufacturing. And all of this has been done because of deregulation, the lowering of taxes. The president has created the the uh, environment for the economy to grow exactly like he said he would. And what P.J. just said is true. That's what freaks the Democrats out. Trump was right. He, what he said he would do, he is doing, and it's working. And that means he's going to get four more years. And we can't allow that. That's why Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, two things. One, she said earlier this week, it's too dangerous to let the 2020 election happen. She said this. That's why impeachment must be done. Because it's too dangerous to let the people decide. The people are going to vote for Donald Trump again. I want you to ponder that for a moment. The third most powerful person in the federal government, third in line to the presidency, the Speaker of the House of Representatives said it's too dangerous to let the American people decide. We have to make the decision for them. We must impeach him because those deplorables, and I know that wasn't Nancy who said that originally, that was Hillary, but those deplorables are, are just stupid enough to vote for him again. Think about that. And then the second thing for Nancy Pelosi is, uh, about Nancy Pelosi, is she was asked yesterday about the USMCA. Why isn't the Congress passing or voting on something that we know will pass, which is the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, and, and Mexico is all in, 
Canada's all in, and even all of Congress is all in. Because it is such a vast improvement over uh, NAFTA. And guess what? Nancy Pelosi knows it. And if they pass it, there will be a big presidential signing ceremony. And she can't take and cannot risk those optics. Meaning, she, her, her House passes it. The Senate passes it. It goes to Donald Trump. Donald Trump holds a big signing ceremony. Another promise kept getting out of NAFTA and reworking a better trade deal for the uh, uh, other North American countries, just like he said he would. So here's the optics. On CNN, on one side of the screen, here's Donald Trump signing the USMCA, as promised. And on the other side of the split screen, here's Democrats trying to impeach him. (laughs) She can't do that. They can't do that. They know how that will look. We're trying to get rid of a guy. Who's getting things done exactly as he should? Think about that for just a moment. And we can't let these people have a vote. For crying out loud, if we allow him on the ballot again without impeaching him, they're just dumb enough to vote for him again. And do what? I don't know. Grow the economy some more? Create more job opportunities? Decrease immigration into this country even more? That part matters, by the way. Did you hear Elizabeth Warren at the debate? I did not. You notice, on yesterday's program, I did not discuss the debate at all. Yesterday or Wednesday. In fact, when was it? Was it Tuesday night or was it Wednesday night, the actual debate? I kind of forget now. I didn't watch it. I normally make it a point of watching those things, as painful as it is, so that we can discuss the nonsense on the program the next day. I did not because I was all wrapped up in the testimony during the impeachment hearings. So I did not watch it. But they played a, cl- a couple of clips of it, and I was, talk- I was watching some folks talking about it this morning. Elizabeth Warren is pledging that if she wins the presidency, to use your same taxpayer dollars, that they would not commit to building a wall. She said, we will use taxpayer dollars to tear down the wall. Now, do we need to point out that it was just about a week and a half ago that on the other side... Of that wall, eight people were murdered, executed, and burned to death. By all means, let's make it easier for those cartel members who did that to come into the country by removing the physical barriers. Let's let's let them kill and burn people here in the United States, not just on the southern side of the border, but on the northern side of our southern border. And let's make the taxpayers pay for it. Do you understand here? Pelosi's a realist. She knows that if the American people are given a choice between President Trump, who says let's secure the American people and keep those cartel members and those human traffickers and those drug runners and those uh, violent people on the other side of the border, it's either that or, no, let's use American tax dollars to tear down the border walls and allow those people to have better access to coming in, what do you think they're going to do? <laughs> they're going to vote for Donald Trump in a landslide. We can't let them do that. We've got to impeach them. Let me go next to Steve, who is on AM 1420, The Answer, right now. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Hey, I got a quick, I got a quick comment about Colonel Vidman. When I yeah. was a soldier in the Army, we knew our chain of command. 
we broke our chain of command. We got Article 15, which either was a reduction in rank or a reduction in pay for so many months. This guy went outside of his chain of command. His career is done. He should just retire right now and be over. Now, the other problem I have with him, when he takes that oath, one of the things that are in every barracks, every company, is a plaque that says, duty, honor, country. He didn't do his duty. He dishonored himself, and he thought he was looking out for the country where he was circumventing the chain of command, and at that point, he failed there also. He's lucky I'm not his commander because I'd have nailed his butt, and he would have become a major instead of a lieutenant colonel. And that's the way they should have handled him instead of putting him up there, and now they can't touch him because everybody will come out and say, oh, you're, you're, it's retaliation. No, he broke the chain of command. He would have been nailed. Just like I would have been nailed. And I knew that day one going into basic training as a dumb private. Steve, I would uh, ask one question as it pertains to duty on our country. Um, you said he dishonored his country, and I'm not sure if that's true. And the reason I say that is I'm not sure which country he actually pledges allegiance to. Was he not offered three different times the opportunity to become the defense minister in his home country of Ukraine? I don't even well, know if he's loyal he to the United States of America, to be honest with you. Who does well, that? that, that he, he counseled uh, the Ukrainian military speaking in Ukrainian, and then he was offered the position, come he, back home where you were born and be the defense minister for Ukraine. That isn't Bob, offered to somebody who is not necessarily uh, uh, you know, uh, in, 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 in line, I guess, with, with that country's... Uh, with that country's military goals. I find that to be a fascinating thing. Steve, I got a jet. I appreciate the call. We'll come right back after this. All right, 1025 as we continue. You know, I told you on a uh, free-for-all Friday that I uh, will not censor any topics, and I say just call and we'll put you on the radio, but I will give preference to people who are either A, wanting to talk about the War for America sold to her last night, or B, our first-time callers. I'm going to have to add one more category to people I bumped to the front of the list, people whose name is Peter Kersenow. Kersenow, an unscheduled call on AM 1420, The Answer. How you doing, Pete? Bob, doing great. It was a great event. Uh, I thought you did an outstanding job. Everybody on the dais, I thought, was was good. But the crowd was phenomenal. It was great to see all the patriots out there, the folks that listen to your show on a daily basis and listen to all the shows on the Salem Radio Network. But uh, it was a, an amazing event. It inspired me, I'll tell you that. I, grew, I drew more inspiration from the people who attended and the comments they made. Uh, the folks that were sitting at my table, all of them were. It, it's just um you know, you get the spirit. I'll, I'll speak for myself. You can sometimes get dispirited when you're assaulted, pelted by all the negativity coming from the mainstream media, uh, the fake news, as Donald Trump calls it. Uh, but then you go out and you meet real Americans, and they don't get any more real than we're at the event last night. And um, I want to commend everybody who was there. The questions from the audience, uh, the commentary was great, um, and it was um, uh, just you know, I think it was the essence of what it is to be an American. And it also, I think, it encourages all of us because we hear from one another. We're not isolated because, you know, look, we're, we're pretty much drowned by the mainstream media, 99% of which leans far to the left. 
And sometimes you can feel a sense of, of isolation. You know, you don't even know when you're at the, your workplace, who you can, you know, express your feelings to because things have gotten so polarized. And then you get a gathering like last night, uh, all kudos to WHK and the Salem Radio Network. And, uh, you, you know, you're psychologically uplifted. And, and again, kudos to you also, Bobby. You did a great job last night. Oh, Peter, I, uh, first of all, you are very, very, uh, effusive in your praise, and I don't think it's warranted here because I was blown away mostly by two things. Dr. Gorka's passion, and he, I mean, he had that crowd almost on its feet, and it was not supposed to be a standing ovation type of event, but people were roaring, uh, with the passion that he brought, but also his story about the oppression and the, uh, uh imprisonment, uh, uh, that his father suffered and the torture that his father suffered, and then you following that up with the story of your uh, your own father in communist uh, Soviet the communist Soviet Union I was I was moved um, by both of you. I mean, it was kind of funny for a while there. I was thinking to myself, my dad can beat up your dad. He told his terrible story about what was done to his father, and he said, oh, yeah, try this one on for size. And I was thinking to myself, my dad fell off a roof once. Um, but your, the, the, the true the stories that you guys told about totalitar- totalitarianism, and that's, was, that was your piece in following Gorka, and you explain this is what can happen if we do not fight for and embrace liberty. If we allow authoritarianism, totalitarianism, or just flat-out communism, if you will, to find its way into this country, this is what's waiting for you. And as you said, Pete, when you told that really dramatic story about your father and everything he endured, and what was that torture place called? It was called Yama? The Yama, Y-A-A-M-A, when it's anglicized. And, and um, oh. you know, I would tell you, and then thanks, thanks for that, Bob. Uh, I would tell you that, you know, I, as I said last night, when you talk to people who've come from those kinds of regimes, you know, the Vietnamese boat people, people who you know, look at what's going on in Hong Kong right now on a, on a lower level, actually. But mm-hmm. the story that Gorka told, you talk to people who come from Eastern European countries, and I'll say it again, they will tell you, looking around what's happening right now in America today, looking at the fact that 70% of millennials now embrace socialism, looking at this uniform, monolithic media that leans to the left, and they will tell you, friends, I have seen this movie before. It does not end well. Do not go down this path. And when you sit at the feet of folks like my father and Seb Gorka's father and you listen to those stories, it's imprinted on your mind. And you, you sit down, you, you, you just bless this United States of America every single day. You are fortunate to be here don't understand the breadth of the liberties afforded here because of patriots, many of whom were in the audience last night, who fought and bled and died for this country. And we are throwing that legacy away because we've got folks who, for whatever reason, I mean, I, I call it to some extent, Bob, and I hate to filibuster and I need to get off soon, but um, we, I, we call it, you know, chronological arrogance. We sit here today in 2019 and we look at, you know, these guys who fought in World War II and, and older people who, you know, the, the millennials like to deride as being, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're racist, they're sexist, they're homophobic and all this stuff. And these folks don't understand we are standing on the shoulders of giants. They would not have all the fortunes and benefits they currently enjoy and don't think anything about but for the sacrifices made by these individuals bled died for this country and understood the importance of saluting the american flag so bob that's all i wanted to say i wanted to commend you for your performance last night you know everybody in cleveland knows that you're the icon for the salem radio network here we like hearing you nationwide also but uh it was just a phenomenal 
phenomenal event. Thanks for everybody. It, it, who came it was out. all of the above. And listen, before you hang up, um, the story you told last night, which you had to keep to cut probably around four, five, or six minutes. I would like to make that the theme and the discussion points for Tuesday when you come back on, okay? I would like you to tell Will everybody do. what you told the, the, the 400 people in the room last night. I want you to tell thousands of people exactly what you told us about your father's experience and about the warning sign that should be for all of us here to protect our liberty. And if we can just forget about the news of the day on Tuesday, let's make sure that is our conversation. I'm telling we'll you now Bob, because 94. I'll forget by then. We'll do 94 days till spring training, 126 to opening day and go brown. Thank you, my friend. Peter Kersenow was amazing last night. He absolutely was incredible. And if you were at the event, you know what I'm talking about. We'll talk to you more about that after this on AM 1420 Dance. Twenty-four minutes before the top of the hour. Twenty-four minutes before the end of the broadcast. Twenty-four minutes before the end of the broadcast week. Believe it or not, yeah. Happy Friday to you. Really enjoyed the event last night on uh, the uh, at the uh, War for America Soul Tour. We're taking phone calls of reaction to that for those who were there. Also, first timers get bumped to the top of the list as well. Let's go back to it. And where are we headed? It looks like we are headed to Julie in Cleveland. She's been waiting longer than everybody else. She's on the air next. Hi, Julie. Go ahead. Um, hello. Yeah, my son and I were at the uh, program last night, and um, I, I had a good time. Um, the only thing that I, I recognized was I'm in Cuyahoga County. I would like to strongly urge the Cuyahoga County Republican Club, we got to get out there and start getting more young people in our group. <laughs> but I just had uh, two comments about Mr. Renese, and unfortunately I just caught the last five minutes of him being on the radio. Right. But um, he was talking about the jobs in Ohio. Yeah. Now I have I have a son who graduated last December from college, and it took him nine months to find a job in Cleveland, and people wanted to pay him between twelve and fifteen bucks an hour, and I mean it, it, it was it was terrible, and um, but I will tell you that I'm very proud of him because he saved up his money all his life, and my husband and I paid probably two grand a year for his college. Other than that, he was on his own. But because of how responsible he's been, and he's the one that brought me to the Republican Party, mm-hmm. he now owes less than ten grand on his student loans, and he was able to get a car loan and a credit card without a co-signer. Wow. And he's also taken it upon himself to write to all our federal representatives and, and ask them, since you are fighting so hard for $15 an hour for minimum wage, when are you going to fight for 30 to 40 for me? Of course, he just had never got a reply. And the second thing about it is that I work for a very large city, and I work part-time in Cleveland because I have to pay for our health insurance because my husband's health insurance is 1200 a month. And I have not had a raise for almost four years, and I make about $10 an hour working part-time, but this city can pay their public works director a $25,000 bonus a year for his expenses, and our service workers now are getting strippers and having parties. So, you know, I'm thinking we need to do something to turn Ohio around. And that's basically all I had to say. Thanks again for the wonderful evening last night. Well, and thank you for coming. I'm so glad you were able to make it. Uh, and, uh, and and great stories that you just told, too, uh, are important stories. Uh, and you're right about the job and the pay. You know, what's funny is when he wrote to various uh, legislators and said, hey, since you're pushing $15 as a minimum wage for no-skilled, literally unskilled work, 
work. Uh, when are you going to push for 30 to 40 for me? Really, what he should have said is, if raising the minimum wage to such a high number is what's best for businesses and what's best for the economy, as we are being told that it is, then wouldn't $25 an hour as a minimum wage be even better? Wouldn't 30 or 40? In other words, why, why bother learning skills and trades and, and getting degrees if, if the idea or if the, um, best way to improve our economy and to grow business uh, in this country is to just jack up the minimum wages as high as we can, then why should anybody have to work for anything less than 30 or $40 an hour? Uh, just go ahead and make that the minimum wage. Then everybody, in other words, it's nonsense, it's ridiculous, it's it's dumb, and I'm so glad, by the way, that your son brought you along to the Republican Party. I'm so glad that he recognized what his value was and that he was smart about uh, uh, watching his money and making sure that he took care of himself without having to be a burden on anybody else and that uh, he got a position eventually that uh, was worth or that paid him what he was worth. Thank you so much for that great call. Uh, next is Jeannie in Cleveland. Hi, Jeannie, you're on the air. Go ahead. Can you hear me, Bob? I can't. Oh, you called before, didn't you, Jeannie? Yeah, I could not hear you before. Gotcha. But I'm glad you called back. Thank you. Go right ahead. Thank you. I went with the my brothers and um, his wife and friends yesterday to the event. It was absolutely wonderful. We all walked away uh, very, very much inspired. All the more. And I would like to say to those who could not attend, please Twitter. Uh, That is your goal. And listen to. Everything here on the Salem Network for all the wonderful gentlemen, websites that you give, authors that they have, books that you promote. Because besides Twittering, we must have ammo of facts. And just like Mr. Benassi said, we have to give positive, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, stuff that the president has done, and even the Republican Party through history as well. It's very, very important. And my final comment is, yeah, we might have to dance with the devil, but eventually we could step on his foot and lead the dance. <laughs> I like how you do that. And you're, you're right. That's kind of my point. I don't like Twitter. I think it is the devil. I think it's very, very dangerous mm-hmm. and toxic. But you do have to participate and try to make something good come from it uh, by countering some of the, you know, the negativity and the uh, the falsehoods and the misinformation that is, you know, so that, that is so prevalent on that uh Uh, on that platform, that's exactly right. So we use it to our benefit. Absolutely. Have a blessed Thanksgiving. And until you mention this, everybody, next week, let's give thanks for being Americans. Amen to that, Jeannie. Thank you. And thank you for coming to the event last night. I'm so glad you got something out of it. And by the way, I also concur. You know, when we bring these authors on, for example... Or we bring the uh, uh, owners of certain websites and so on and so forth onto the program to talk about various things. It's not just to sell books or get them clicks. All right? It's not just a promotional thing. It's because they have something of value to share, and you need to take that with you. And if you can get that book uh, and, and learn something from it, to take that information with you to share it with others, that is the point. I mean, ultimately, no matter how much technology we have and no matter how many organizations there might be, it is tr- truly grassroots. It's just mouth-to-mouth, word-of-mouth, from friend-to-friend, family-member-to-family member, coworker-to-coworker, and you take that information that you gain from those various places and you share it. Thanks so much for the phone call. Uh, Don in Cuyahoga Falls is next on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Don. How are you? Good, Bob. Uh, good to talk to you again. I'm still yes, fighting my cold here. Yeah, uh, usually I call about politics, but this this one bothered me. This is about Miles Garrett. Yeah, and uh, 
I am so disappointed that he's played the race card here. I, uh, my sympathies actually were with him, you know, as far as the, uh, the altercation they had on the field. But, you know, I, I thought really that he sounds like a very nice man and a good guy. And it just, I, I'm so disappointed that he would pull the race card, which, uh, you know, Rudolph denies. I, I, uh, have a number of biracial grandchildren and I was involved in a custody case one time. Uh, and, uh, in that, uh, court hearing, I was accused of having made racial remarks and it's, it's just the, the worst feeling to have somebody say that when, you know, I am not in the least, I don't think a racist, but, uh, to, to have that thrown at you is just, it's, it's terrible. I'm just very disappointed in Miles. Yeah, I, I agree. Generally speaking, we always say that uh, the race card is the last card in the deck. When you have nothing else, uh, you play that race card. And, um, and, and I feel like that's what Miles Garrett did here. Um, I think he knew that there was no justification for his bashing Rudolph over the head, even if Rudolph started the skirmish, which he did. Um, he, he, so since he couldn't justify that, his appeal was, well, you have to understand why I was so enraged in that heat of that moment. He called me blank. And, um, uh, and, and I, you know, I, I cannot fathom for one second that a guy who's got a bunch of black teammates, which Rudolph does, including teammates who were there with him, you know, Pouncey was right there next to him as a part of all of that. David DeCastro is a white guy, but I cannot believe that in the presence of other black teammates, he would call even a black opponent that word or a racial slur. I think the race card is the last refuge for the damned. I think it is the last hope for somebody who has nothing else to offer, and I feel like that's what Miles Garrett did in this case. Yeah, I agree, uh, and that's all I have to say about that. I would say, again, uh, uh, this is the anniversary of JFK's death, and I'm taking a completely different look at it as far as CIA involvement and the Yeah, we did state. talk about that before, and obviously yeah. we didn't go that direction on the conversation today, but that is certainly worth looking at and talking about more as, uh, as we go forward. Uh, Don, thanks so much for the call. I hope you get over that cold. Thanks very much. By the way, since he brought up the Miles Garrett thing, I feel it's incumbent upon me to reply to this, because uh, Hugh Hewitt has been kind of, you know, we, he, he teases me and he jokes all the time about the Baker Mayfield thing. I was the only person at our event uh, uh, before the draft now now, two years ago, two and a half years ago, I was the only person at our event saying we should draft Baker Mayfield instead of Sam Darnold. He was a huge Sam Darnold fan, and he gave me all kinds of grief for it. Then we took Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield had a great uh, rookie year, and you know I was proven right, and Hugh has been tr- flipping that script for so long. So he was trying to do the same thing a little bit with this Mason Rudolph um, and uh, Miles Garrett thing. My take on the day after that helmet-swinging incident was this was inexcusable i don't care what mason rudolph did to quote unquote start it because it doesn't matter unless he punched him in the face or unless he bashed him with a helmet everybody's saying mason rudolph started it well he may have on the ground with garrett on top of him or the two of them wrestling and having a skirmish on the ground he may have tried to yank uh, uh garrett's helmet off but he didn't he didn't get it off and then garrett yanked his helmet off and instead of dropping it, he smashed him over the head with it. And that that's Baker Mayfield himself said, I don't care what the circumstances are. That's inexcusable. And he's right. And yet we're sitting here, a lot of us in Cleveland Browns fans are making excuses, and I think that's wrong. I think you got to say when somebody does something wrong, it's wrong, period, no matter what. And that's the case here. 
Mason Rudolph may have gotten into his face and chased him and screamed at him, but he didn't hit him with a helmet. He screamed at him when he was uh, uh, when he got up off the ground after he had his helmet ri- uh, helmet ripped off. Um, as I said before, and I said this at the event last night, if you see two guys chest bumping in a bar, it doesn't matter which one started it. If you see two guys chest bumping and screaming and being pulled apart and separated by other people before a bar fight begins, and one of the two guys grabs a beer bottle and smashes it over the other guy's head, who do you think's going to jail? It's not going to be the guy who started. It's going to be the guy who smashed a beer bottle over somebody's head. That guy in this scenario is Miles Garrett. And, and that's why he's got to pay this price. And that's why, regardless of our loyalty and our allegiance, and regardless of the fact that Rudolph started it on the ground, Rudolph didn't punch him, Rudolph didn't smash him in the head with a helmet, Rudolph tried to grab his helmet, was unsuccessful, and then was yelling at him and, cha- and pushing up against him. Pushing up against him has happened in football forever. Helmet bashes over the head have never happened. Helmets being ripped off has happened. Helmet being thrown at another guy has happened. Helmet being, uh, uh, you know, ripped off, and uh, but but bashing somebody over the head uh, just hasn't, and that's where we are. All right, let's go to uh, where? Um, who's been waiting here? Oh, Marge has in Olmstead Falls. Hi, Marge. Thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Uh, it was a great show yesterday evening. Appreciated it. Um, enjoyed the speakers very much. Um, so I want to thank you for your time there. Um, I did want to make a couple comments about. Um, I know Attorney Kirsten, I've called, and, and I wanted to let you know that I was very moved by his story and Dr. Gorka's, um, you know, more of the reason that we need to um, get behind uh, our president and more so getting working up to the, uh, the vote next year. I think it's important that we need to educate the voters, um, all of us. It's our job, all of us. I mean, listening even to people talking last night, it's amazing how many do not know what's been going on. So I think we need to educate them about that. But even more important, to speak about the president's accomplishments. I don't think people are hearing that. They're listening to the news, and they're not getting it going on. No, you're right. You're 100% right. And I was so glad to hear Jim Renacci say that when he called in today, because he's right. You know, all the focus is on impeachment, and we're all in defense mode of the president. No, the president didn't do this wrong. The president didn't do that wrong. You're wrong to push him on this, blah, blah, blah. When what we should be doing is, hey, here's what the president did right. We really should. We should really focus on that big, long list of accomplishments. And that's what um, Renacci was talking about. Let's let's approach this from a, uh, this is the great good that has been done, rather than the, hey, you're wrong in, in claiming that this bad has been done. And I think that's uh, that's something that really is going to have to play itself out over the course of the next few months as the Democrats continue to try to tear him down. Yeah, I think that's what will help us get over the finish line. You know, it's very important for our country. Amen Listening to, to those stories Marge, about... I'm glad you came last night. Thank you so much for supporting it, and I hope you were able to take some of the messages that we had to share into your into your private life with family and friends and others. That's the goal. We come to these events in the hopes that you take something with you and share it with those who were not in attendance, um, because that's that's what we have to do. Uh, thanks so much for that call. We'll get a quick time out here, final time out, and final segment coming up next, right here on 1420 News. All right, final segment of the broadcast. Now it's 10.54. We'll get a few more phone calls in here before the top of the hour, and Mike Gallagher takes over. It's free for all, so anything you want to talk about again is fair game. TJ in Cleveland. Good morning, TJ. Where do you want to go this morning? Yeah, you know, Bob, I thought I would never get shocked anymore by what the left does, and then I seen on the news yesterday that crazy libtard that charged into a church 
and stabbed the woman three times because she was wearing oh. fur boots. Yeah. I you know, that. in America today, this is what's become. If you wear the wrong baseball hat or you wear a pair of rabbit fur gloves, you could be attacked. These people are nuts on the left. It just shows how crazy and violent these people are. And just think if Daniel Boone or Davy Crockett were alive today, they'd be getting attacked every time they walked down the street with their fur skin caps, you know? I mean, this is nuts. Yeah, you're 100% right. They are. And, and, and the, the worst part about it is their hypocrisy because they're the ones who claim that we are dangerous. They need safe spaces. They're the ones who claim that they're tolerant of everything, but they are, and that we're intolerant. They are the most intolerant people on the planet because if anybody does something differently than what they do it or believes something differently than what they believe or says something that is contrary to what they, th- what they would say, they want it shut down, stopped. And in this case, obviously, they tried to kill somebody. Uh, it's, the hypocrisy is overwhelming. Can you believe that? Trying to kill somebody for a pair of boots because they exactly. didn't like their boots. I mean, this is just... And this right. woman and, and, has and, done and, this and again, before. The, the, the hypocrisy of it is they're complaining that this, you know, an animal may have been killed or was killed or whatever, and it depends on how how this whole thing goes, by the way, because a lot of fur isn't... Animals aren't killed for their fur particularly. They're killed for food, and then their fur is used as well. But uh, I don't know how, what the situation was here. But the point is, they're protesting the killing of an animal by... Trying to kill a human being. That makes a whole heck of a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yes. And they're TJ, all- thank you, my man. I appreciate it. Sorry. Uh, Brigitte in Lakewood. You're on AM 1420 hey. The Answer. Hi, Brigitte. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you. Good. That was some event. That was a great event last night. Um, I was able to attend it at the last minute. I'm so glad that I went. And I found Dr. Dr. Gorka's and Mr. Kersenow's story very compelling and very moving as you did so i'm calling because um i am a first time caller and i'm calling because i wanted to say that i think as conservatives and republicans we need to develop strategies and tactics for answering well in conversations so that we can avoid getting into arguments with people whenever possible and present the truth that we have to have a really solid basis of facts for example why socialism is contrary to American values. Um, understand the tactic that Pelosi and Schumer and Schiff at all are using to undermine our government. You have to recognize those things and focus on telling the truth and providing facts about that rather than letting conversations devolve into opinions and then get into arguments with people. That's not going to win, and we need to learn how to fight to win. You know, you're you're very wise, and I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that you're just now a first-time caller, because you've got a lot to offer. I think <laughs> I wish you had been here for a while, and I hope you call back again, because you're right. Um, the difficulty, of course, is when you're trying to bring facts and trying to be civil in presenting these things, rather than letting it devolve into the type of screaming and shouting matches and the insult festivals that you're talking about, you're trying to do it with people who who don't want to hear from you. Did you see what happened to Ann Coulter at Berkeley? They referenced it last night. Uh, and yeah, I, was reading I remember some of her hearing tweets. about that. Yeah, I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, there are death threats and there are there are violent confrontations with people who just don't want to hear your facts. They don't want to give you a chance to speak at all. They literally don't believe in your right to have free speech. And so that's the, while I'm not giving up, and I agree with you, Brigitte, that this is what we need to try to do is keep it civil and keep it calm and talk with facts and not just emotions and opinions. We are dealing with people who don't have facts on their side, so they resort to their emotion and their opinions, and that's when it starts to go south. Yeah, you're right. And we have to learn how to counter that. Um, 
So I am committing myself, and I'm asking your listeners to commit to learning as much as we can how to present facts and then how to fight when necessary and what ways we right. can fight. Because we've got to fight as hard as we can. There's way too much at stake. Our lives, our children's lives, our way of life, our values, our heritage, that's all at stake. And I am right. not going down without a fight. Brigitte, I'm glad you called, and I hope you become a second-time caller very soon. Thank you. I will. Thank you so much. That is going to wrap it up, and I apologize to the folks who are left on hold right now, but uh, we are out of time. Mike Gallagher cannot be kept waiting. Uh, I'm sorry? Mike Gallagher will be joining us next, or I'm sorry, we'll take over next. Uh, We'll be back on Monday for the next Bob France Authority. Have a wonderful and safe weekend. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.